Hi everyone, welcome to The Prof Talks, a brand new podcast brought to you by YouPerform, the UK's leading sports nutrition brand. My name is Professor Greg White, OBE, Olympian, sports scientist and co-founder of YouPerform. We all set goals and have things that we want to achieve, and we all face challenges, trials and tribulations in the pursuit of these goals. Nothing good comes easy. In my book, Achieve the Impossible, I explore this idea with real-world examples from my work with the likes of David Williams, Davina McCall and John Bishop, supporting them on their epic comic and sport relief challenges. This podcast is an extension of that. So join me as I'll be chatting to various guests who have all achieved the impossible and who will be sharing their secrets to success with you. Every episode promises to give you helpful and actionable insights to motivate and inspire you to achieve your goals. Hello, Greg. Nice to see you. How are you doing? Morning. Very well, thanks. Very well. Awesome. Right. For our regular viewers and listeners, this is a slightly different episode of The Prof Talks, where instead of Greg asking all the questions, we have taken your questions and we are asking the prof himself. So we're really putting him on the spot. We're going to give him a bit of a challenge, keep him on his toes. We've got some excellent questions from our YouPerform family. Greg, are you ready? Well, let's hope so, eh? <laughs> awesome. Right, we'll kick off with the first question from Craig, who is one of our newest YouPerform ambassadors and a marathon ultra runner. Right. So very much up to your speed, Greg, definitely not mine. And his question <laughs> is actually quite a good one. Who was your sporting inspiration when you were younger? Wow. Well, Craig, keep up the running. That's great work. <laughs> Um, it, to be honest, it's a really simple one. Uh, that is, and that's it was my dad, um, an absolute legend. Sadly, no longer with us, but he was, without any shadow of doubt, instrumental in my athletic career. Um, was one of those. My, both my mum and dad were those sort of wonderful parents who were supportive but not pushy. Um, but it was, it, yeah. I mean, my dad was an ex-boxer. He was uh, a light middleweight, number one in England. Uh, in his heyday, a, a, a great fighter by all accounts. Listening to some of his mates, um, but he just had a love of a love of sport, um, and he just he just pushed me and my brother. My brother is an international track and field athlete. Uh, he sort of, sort of get, created the opportunity which enabled me to achieve what I achieved in sport. That's all you need, isn't it? It's just that opportunity and that sort of family connection. It definitely runs in the white family for sure. <laughs> it does you know it's, it's an interesting one because i always say about it is it is about opportunity but the, the critical thing is about taking the opportunity i think m many people sadly don't get the opportunity uh, and that's why you know there are there are plenty of olympic gold medalists out there you actually never get the opportunity to be exposed to sport um but equally i think there are an awful lot of people who do get the opportunity but actually don't take that opportunity so it is it, it's having both of those um and, and when it does come together it's a magic formula and here's just a slight tweak on Craig's question. Has your, has your sporting inspiration, has your motivation changed as, you, as you've got older? Or is that sort of family father figure remained exactly the same? I think, I think my dad has always remained my hero, really. Um, I don't think that has changed. I think the interesting thing for me now is that I'm now a father of three. Um, and, and I think what, what I try and do is inspire my three kids um, in, in a similar way, really, is that, you know, we have one rule in our house and the rule is that you can give up anything, but you have to replace it with something. 
Um, and, and so what that means is that they sort of bounce around uh, and hopefully eventually find something that they absolutely love. And, and it, it, interesting enough, it, it does happen that way. My eldest uh, loves swimming. Uh, my middle one, uh, she loves rowing. Uh, and my younger one, who's, who's only 10, is still sort of bouncing around, finding the one thing that he loves. But I think you know, the, the most important thing uh, in sport is loving what you do. Because it is, you know, you and I just chatting before this, we've just come from swimming. Swimming is brutal. I mean, it's one of those brutal, isolating sports where you spend a huge amount of time on your own, even when you're part of the squad. Um, and if you don't love it, then you simply aren't going to keep doing it. Yeah. There's a little saying that I like to remind myself. If you love what you do, you'll never do a day's work in your life. Yep. You know? True enough. True enough. Love what you do and uh, <laughs> do what you love, which is, which is for us... Is, is crazy sports and, and endurance challenges. Yeah. Okie doke. So Craig, there's your answer to your question. Thank you very much for sending this in. The next question is from Jen. She is a triathlete and a physio for the NHS. So big thanks to her for all her work over the last Absolutely. couple of years. And her question is quite a good one. It's a bit more on the product side of things. Is there a maximum dose of collagen you should or could take a day? For example, if you're doing two lots of training, which is very common for triathletes, is it okay to use before and after training? It's, it, you know, it's a great question. And it's an interesting one because having spent, I mean, I was director of research at the British Olympic Medical Center and then at the English Institute of Sport. And, and the one thing I know about athletes is that they have a mentality that if a little is good, then a lot must be better. Uh, and, and actually when it comes to supplementation, that is rarely true. Uh, what, really what we're looking for is the optimum dose. Uh, and that optimum dose is, is it creates what, what we call bioavailability. So it's the uptake at the gut and then it's the utilization of it. If we, if we start to exceed that, that optimal dose, um, it, it, fundamentally we do run into the potential for side effects uh, from, that, from that excessive dose. And on top of it, and I think probably most importantly is that you don't get any added benefit from it. <laughs> so what you are doing is you're, you're increasing the, the potential for something to go wrong and you're spending more money doing it. Um, and so, so when it comes to collagen, most of the research tells us that it is somewhere between five and 15 grams in a single bolus. So in other words, at one time. Um, now that five to 15, if you take a look at the Uperform products, it is reflected in that. So our gels, I've got a gel here right now. Uh, our gels, for example, are eight grams uh, of, of collagen. Um, of course, the, the, the type of peptide makes a difference. Not all collagen is the same. Um, and indeed where that collagen comes from. Um, so the vast majority, in fact, all of the research on collagen that has been published has actually been on what we call bovine collagen, which is what we use, um, with, with none, to my knowledge, on marine collagen. Um, and so therefore, the type of collagen makes a difference and then the quantity makes a difference. So somewhere between 5 and 15. Can you take it more than once a day? Yes, is the answer to that. Um, and I think that really that, that 5 and 15 is 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 created from research that looks at a single episode of, of, of exercise or a single episode per day uh, across time. And I think if you are uh, creating a huge amount of demand on the body with training, so you are actually on multiple sessions a day, very high training volumes, uh, then what you know intuitively you think, well, actually you probably need more of it. Um, but I, what I would do is a, a single episode is i would stick to that five to 15 grams but if you are doing multiple sessions a day you can repeat that dose throughout the day so i think the key point here for you jen is we're talking about minimum dose for the maximum results aren't we so yeah, that that finding that right. optimum and that's a big message for for all of us 
here and you perform. So excellent answer, Greg. And I did like the point on not all collagen is equal, which is a, a topic we're going to not feature today, but we're going to come back to in, in future episodes of the Prof Talks as uh, we've got some quite exciting news on that front. Okay, Doug, so next question is from John. He does a lot of running and he suffers from quite swollen knees if he runs a little bit too far. Uh, and he loves the idea of using collagen, uh, but he's just a little bit bothered about the, the potential cost of it, using it daily. So how long is it um, to be sort of expecting sort of optimum results for him if he's looking to sort of reduce those aches and pains from exercise and improve his recovery? How long he, should he expect to be taking collagen to get those results? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think what, what's interesting is that, 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 that joint pain per se is multifactorial. You know, there's, there are lots of different things that can cause joint pain. Uh, and certainly associated joint swelling um, is, is actually unlikely to be linked to collagen. Um, so, you know, what, what, we, what we know about collagen is actually connective tissue. And so therefore within a joint, there, there are two things we're interested in. One is in the cartilage um, and the other is in the connective tissue of, of the ligaments and the tendons. Um, and then, of course, outside of that capsule of the of the joint capsule, then what we what we do are interested in is the muscle itself, and we know that there's collagen within the muscle. Um, and so I think you know, I mean, without seeing his knee, without knowing what what the issue is, um, I think I think it's very difficult to talk about the role of collagen in improving performance of that knee, particularly when you've got um, when you've got swelling of the knee. Um, what I would firstly do is point you towards uh, a diagnosis of that. Um, it does sound potentially osteoarthritic, uh, but that again, this is from a distance without actually seeing it and knowing the full story. Um, but I think identifying what the problem is in the first place is crucial to the way in which you treat that. Um, certainly without any shadow of doubt, irrespective of, of, to some extent, irrespective of what it is, strength of the joint and stabilization of that joint is really key. So I, we've done a lot of work um, in osteoarthritis in, in my practice and, and my clinic. And in fact, with Protocol, which is a, 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 sister, uh, a sister product of Uperform, uh, I designed a, a product called Osteo Plus, uh, which looks at, it's it a combination of a whole host of different supplements, which we know impact on things like joint pain. So hyaluronic acid, glucosamine, uh, collagen, et cetera. Um, so I think that, but what we know around that is that actually exercise is really the key uh, the key intervention with osteoarthritis, but it's actually about stabilizing the joint. The more movement you have in the joint, the more irritation you have, and so therefore result in the more pain that you have. Stabilizing that joint comes to the musculature either side of it and making sure that you are strong and endurable. So you've got strength and strength endurance in that to stabilize that joint over, particularly if you're running at prolonged distances uh, is really, really important. So I think you know, the, taking the collagen will focus on the, the cartilage and connective tissues of ligaments and tendons, um, but there is no doubt about it that you need to, need to back that with uh, some prehabilitation work to stabilize the joint. Uh, and what I would do is recommend a diagnosis on that just to check that there's nothing underlying it that does require a, a different treatment. Excellent. That's certainly that's a really great, uh, really great answer for, for John. And it's something that we, we like to sort of talk to people, you know, it, collagen is a is another piece of the jigsaw and looking yeah. at all of those pieces of the jigsaw in context of each other. So doing the prehab, doing the rehab, sort of structuring your training in a, an appropriate fashion for your goals and what you want to achieve and your ability level is sort of that's the most important thing. Wouldn't you agree? Well, listen, I mean, I, I've been in this game, you know, I've, I've been an athlete for 
<laughs> too many years, you know, for, for over four and a half decades. Um, I have been a sports scientist for over three decades and a professor for almost two decades. Um, and I can tell you the one thing that I have never found, and that is the magic wand. Yep. Uh, it, it simply doesn't exist. There is no, you know, just one thing that's going to cure everything. Uh, and so I think what's critical about it is understanding what the determinants of the issue is, whether it's performance or determinants of performance, I speak an awful lot about, but determinants of, of injury or illness, and then actually targeting uh, at source what the, what, the, what the root cause of that is. And that invariably is multifactorial. So it's making sure that what you are doing is you are ticking all of the boxes in order to, to reverse the problem. Excellent. Thank you very much, Greg. And the next question is, is on a similar vein, but in moving away from sort of the use of collagen for knee related and joint pain, but more to uh, Achilles related pain and Achilles related recovery. Is there any indication of how long we should be sort of taking collagen in that respect? And is there a particular type of collagen that we might be more useful for this? I think it's a very interesting question. And I think actually it probably brings us back to our idea of peptides. And, and, and we sort of talk mainly about three types of peptide, type one, type two, uh, and type three. Um, and, and what we have in, in the gels, we have a slightly different formulation than we do uh, in, in the tablets, for example. But in the gel, we have one and three, types one and three. In the tablets, we have type two. And, and they, they really focus on slightly different areas. So the gels, without any shadow of doubt, focus on... A, focus on uh, the, the connective tissue of ligaments and tendons, um, and actually interesting enough on the skin, hair and nails as well. Um, and then what we find in the tablets is actually we, we, focus, on, uh, we focus on the collagen that is present in, um, in, in abundance uh, in, uh, in uh, articular surfaces in cartilage. So again, making sure that you, you've got the right peptides for the right job. And so therefore from a U-Perform perspective, make sure you've got the right, uh, the right product for the right job uh, is really important. Uh, most of the studies that we see, uh, some really fantastic studies, some really interesting studies from, from a number of different centers, looking at, at pain uh, in particular, because I think one of the critical problems that we have with, with tendon issues, unless you've got tendon rupture and, and you know, tendon injury that, that, is, that is treatable, um, a, a lot of people, a lot of athletes, and certainly as we age, we do, we actually suffer from tendon pain. Lots of things associated with that, um, but certainly one of, the, one of the, some of the, again, it comes back to sort of my original point that we just made in the previous question, is it, again, it's multifactorial, but certainly one of those factors is collagen um, and, and some really lovely studies which have shown that actually taking this five to, five to 15 grams of collagen daily um, for a period of time, uh, you know, that period of time is an interesting one because obviously it depends where you start from. Uh, how long you've had the problem for, what the underlying uh, problem is. And critically, I think what's really important here is that this, what the studies have shown is that it's collagen in combination with rehabilitation, so invariably with strength work. So if you think about the Achilles tendon, for example, often that is some of that is going to be linked to soleus and gastrocnemius weakness, um, but fundamentally lower limb and upper limb and, and, potentially, and potentially core, all sorts of different issues coming in. So I think the key is that, that what, certainly what we do know is five to 15 grams daily uh, is important. And then making sure that you do that in combination with very targeted rehabilitation, uh, strength and strength endurance work. Um, add on top of that flexibility um, and 
how long it takes will very much be dependent upon the nature of the, the problem, how long you've had it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't, I can't really give it a sort of duration time, um, but certainly make sure that it's not just, you know, what you're not doing is uh, assuming it's a magic wand. You have to do all these other things alongside it to ensure that you get that active recovery. Excellent. And just got, bringing it back just a tiny little bit, for the less well-versed in, in physiology and sort of the parts of the body, the soleus, that's the lower limb, that's like your calf that most people would associate with. So if you think about your calf, you've got the, the big head, the large head that you sort of see, the, the, po the posing bit of it yep. you know, uh, is actually the gastrocnemius. Okay. And then what you've got in what we call deep to it, so just underneath it, you've then got the, the soleus. And, and the soleus's job, it, it, it's an interesting one because it, it, when I explain it to you, you immediately understand it, is the soleus's job is, is to fully plantar flex the foot. So it's actually that, that pointing of the toes. Uh, and if you think about it, often the big problems that we get are actually in the coming months now. So as, as we move into this pre-season period, what, often what people do is that they erroneously, and I've written a couple of pieces in 220 Magazine on this, is that they, they move from long, slow distance. And then literally within a day, they start smashing out the track work. Um, and they, they move into that really high intensity, um, high intensity work. And, and the critical issue with that, to some extent, is that what you are doing is uh, plantar flexion, that soleus, comes under significant additional strain, a different, uh, additional stress. Um, and and if, it is, if it is weak, um, and that's not necessarily just weak in terms of strength, but if it, if it lacks strength endurance, um, then effectively what you do is you overstress that soleus. And then that soleus becomes your calf problem, which is classic, you know, as we move into this preseason uh, period and, and calf problem, which you will carry through all the way through to racing season. But of course, with that, that will then also translate down because with weakness up top, you just translate uh, that load down into the tendon. And so therefore, it invariably means that you, you, the result is uh, Achilles tendon pain as well. Um, so it is making sure I guess two, two points to make there. One is make sure that you've got this progression through training is that you don't just suddenly smash into the high intensity. You, don't, you, know, you shouldn't be going from no track at all into very heavy long track sessions. It should be graded progressively in number one. And then number two actually comes back to a point we made earlier about prehabilitation is make sure that to my mind, in fact, my latest 220 uh, article is, is fundamentally based on that is that what you need to think is that that, that prevention is always better than cure so if you can avoid the injury in the first place it is so much better and, and a lot of that will come down to particularly in, in the calves so the gastroc and the soleus strength strength endurance so single leg toe raises both straight leg and bent leg because then it will change from the gastroc to the soleus making sure that they are strong and endurable will reduce the potential for injury. And to some extent, I think, you know, when it comes to collagen, I think to my mind, I, I take collagen and I take it daily. I take it as a prevention. And I think sometimes what you think is, oh, I'm injured, so now I need to get some collagen. But to my mind, actually, you know, and from a cost-effective perspective, never mind everything else, is actually if you, if you drip feed it in and make sure that you are optimized on a continual basis. Remember that we're losing collagen constantly around about 1.5% per year. Um, and that is accelerated for women during the menopause, uh, dramatically accelerated. But if you just keep dripping it in, you add on top of that prehabilitation exercise, and then you make sure that you program so that it's progressive changes in, in training load. 
uh, then what you can do is you can avoid the injury in the first place and then you don't have to worry about trying to cure it. Yeah, it's all about keeping that battery full despite all, all the sort of other stimuli that we're sort of putting our body through, the, the training, the age-related collagen loss, despite all that, we're just keeping that, that battery full, isn't it, really? It, it, it is absolutely that, Ben. And I think, but the interesting thing is that I think we've, we've now begun to understand the sort of energy battery. You know, and so and so therefore, you know, we, we you know, to some extent, we wouldn't go into a, a, a high intensity training session depleted because we know that it will damage the quality of that session. I think what we what we really need to do is think about everything else as well. So we need to think about things like hydration. We need to think about collagen. We need to think about protein and, and actually just dice again to these determinants, dissect it down to these various different pieces. It is complex. But at the same time, there are simple remedies to this. And, and without any shadow of doubt, prehabilitation is better than rehabilitation. 100%. And I hope that answers both of those questions. So it's to kind of merge two together in one long extended answer. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm> not, <laughs> that's okay. The more the merrier. Once, once I, I get started, that's it. We keep going. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to move on swiftly on to our next question from Ginny. She's been using our, our collagen uh, for a couple of months now. And she just wants to, she's seen a few things on the internet, maybe a few urban myths that there might be a few nasty side effects like bone deposits in your hand that are related to the use of collagen. And she just wanted to know is if these are true and, and if there is any side effects, well, what are they? Or if not, and, and is, is collagen safe to use for the long term, you know, for, for sort of optimizing performance and recovery for, you know, for an active person? It's a great question and probably one I know that, that uh, around Christmas time I answered a similar question from, from uh, one of our ambassadors and, it, and it, the full answer is probably one for a blog so maybe I should uh, pull a blog together just, just to answer you to that. Yeah, no, listen, happy to do that. And uh, I think gen generally, let me say generally, generally there are very limited stroke no side effects of taking collagen. Um, certainly what we do now, as we explained earlier on, if you take very high volumes of collagen at a single sitting, um, then what you can get is, is tummy upset. But generally, there, there are no side effects. Now, I think we just uh, there are some little caveats to these, uh, particularly uh, and certainly one of the things that we looked at previously were things like kidney stones uh, and impact on the liver. And I think really what's happened there is that there's been a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding of, of the science. Um, certainly, uh, there is there's, there's no direct link between collagen consumption uh, and kidney stones, unless you have an underlying condition, um, unless you are predisposed uh, to um, to creating kidney stones effectively, and then collagen is what we call contraindicated. So you should probably be uh, careful of that. Um, Hyperoxaluria is, is one of the conditions, uh, and it's a, a condition, a primary primary hyperoxaluria, which can create problems around kidney stone formation. You probably know if you've got that condition, um, and so therefore collagen is contraindicated. Um, interesting enough, actually, if you can just increase um, increase hydration and increase calcium intake, optimize hydration, increase calcium intake. Um, then what that will do is that reduces the, the risk of kidney stones. Uh, when, when it comes to liver, it's not. It, it, there's no real indication there. Certainly in certain diseases like cirrhosis, um, you get increased collagen deposition, um, but there's there's no evidence to suggest that consuming more collagen causes deposition of collagen in the liver. It's the underlying condition that that causes it. So I think I, I think the general answer to the question is 
uh, there are no side effects. Remember that collagen is actually a, a, a normal part of our daily diet anyway. Um, so there's, uh, and remember that ours is from a food source. Um, and so in essence, there are no side effects unless you have these uh, pre-existing conditions uh, where it may be contraindicated for you as an individual. Excellent, really good answer. So I hope Ginny that, that helps you out with your, with your sort of your recovery and your sort of your put peace of mind almost that you know you are safe to use the, uh, use the collagen uh, on a daily basis. And we've got another John, another question from another John. Uh, it may well be the same John, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to assume it's another John. <laughs> there is more than one John out there though, I know that. Well, we know a quite of, a few. I've got a couple of mates who are called John. <laughs> this may get confusing. I'm hoping the next round of questions, we've even got another John. Um, so he is he's 59 um, and he is just wondering what sort of the main vitamins and supplement products in order of port in importance or relevance that will be sort of the most beneficial for him at his age and given that he is still relatively active. Wow. <laughs> I think it's a big question. To some extent, it's a really tough question without actually knowing John. Um, and you know, to my mind, I think look, look, I always say, look, food first is is the way that we approach this. And I think that, that there are multiple reasons why we go food first. So, in other words, what we should be looking at doing, it, 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 I, you know, there, there's, there's well, listen, one of the, one one of the phrases I often use is you cannot polish a turd. Um, and by that I mean if you're if you're daily diet is dreadful taking supplements is not going to make up for that um, it may it may for some of some of the issues associated with it but the fundamental is that you have to get the base layer right um, and so you know to some extent if you think about building a house you know, you know, let's let's talk cake analogies if you are if you are making a cake the, the supplements are the icing that you lay on top of the cake the point is that that cake is your is your daily diet if that daily if that cake recipe or is, is cooked badly or it's dreadful then it doesn't matter how good the, the veneer of, of icing is on top of it it will still be a dreadful cake so i think the first thing to think about for john is make sure that what you've got is you've got a healthy balanced diet now that we could spend hours talking about that um I, I, just a couple of pieces that i always point towards when it comes to to diet Number one is make it yourself. One of our one of the biggest problems that we face, to my mind, from a diet perspective, is is highly processed and processed foods, and so that tends to be things that are pre-made. Uh, they contain all sorts of of, of it, all sorts of um, ingredients. Some of those to fix it, so it keeps it on the shelf for longer. So things like salt, sugar, uh, those type of things. But also you've got lots of things like flavorings and colorings and all that. You know, lots in there. If you make it yourself, you know exactly what goes into it. Um, and I think the second thing is eat the rainbow. It, you know, when it comes to micronutrients, and, and this is what really I think what John is talking about in terms of, of, of supplementation, vitamins and minerals effectively come from color. So the more colorful your plate and the more colorful your diet across time is, the mu you're much more likely to be making sure that you optimize the intake of, of those various uh, vitamins and minerals. Um, so food first. Uh, next thing is indication. Where there is indication, uh, then then what we should be doing is, is supplementing. So you know, for for example, for for pregnant women, obviously we know that, that it's indicated uh, for um, 
for various conditions. We, and these are be things like osteoporosis and, and osteopenia. You know, it's in it's clinically indicated. Uh, I think that when it comes to collagen, for example, is it indicated? Well, what we know is that that we've got a reduction of around about one point five percent per year. Uh, on an ongoing basis accelerated at menopause so therefore there is an indication to top up that collagen and to keep that collagen topped up particularly if you are engaged uh, in very heavy uh, exercise in training uh, because the turnover is going to be that much higher so food first indication and then probably coming down to what john is now asking you know what what's the most important is it's a really tricky one to say you know what is the most important i think it, it there are there are things that you really you, to some extent you can do very little harm with and they're what we call the water soluble uh, vitamins and minerals um and and and, and then you've got the, the fat soluble ones which we can then start to accumulate if we take too much of ake and d for example are the fat soluble ones and so if we take excessive amounts of that they can become toxic because we start to accumulate them in the body um, things like iron in very high dose can be problematic for all sorts of reasons. It can be toxic, but also it causes things like constipation and that can create problems for us. Um, so it's a really broad, <laughs> it's a really long answer to a question. I hope John is taking something from this. Um, I, I think generally what I would say is that if you've got concern, I would go for a, a, a multivitamin, uh, which we produce, make sure, again, the critical thing about these is make sure it's quality and it's not contaminated. We ensure that with our products. Um, a, a general multivitamin will cover, cover just about all bases for vitamins and minerals. Um, once we go beyond that, it then becomes, you know, what we are looking about is things like indication. Protein ingestion, I think, is really high. Um, collagen, obviously, incredibly high. So I think, you know, generally, what would I take? Is, let's answer it in that fashion. Um, I think what I would stick to in normal times, and remember, this is you know, when normal physiology is, is reigning, um, it is without is 100% protein and collagen. Um, and then often, a particularly when I'm traveling a lot, um, it'll be a multivitamin. But generally, I'm looking for those micronutrients to come from food. Excellent answer. And I, I really hope John does get something from that. I think the, the takeaway is we're looking for that indication and then the icing on the cake are those supplements as a sort of a stopgap, as a, a stopgap, a safety net, just in case, you know, because some people might not have the, the sort of the, the, the breadth of their appetite or the, the ability to eat certain foods. And that's where that icing on the cake, those stopgaps and safety nets really come in. So yeah. I think, I think the, the other thing is well, John got something yeah, from that. Let, let's hope so. Yeah. And I think the other thing is actually about, it's just about, you know, again, the great thing, the reason why we've designed the, the sachets uh, in such a way for the active collagen is exactly the same reason that, that we've got the, the whey protein with collagen is that actually it's, it's just, it's incredibly handy is that once you finish the session, you can carry these in, in your bag and, and away you go and it's done. Uh, when it comes to, you know, why take protein powder? Well, we do need the right protein, so the right type in the right quantity, but crucially at the right time. And often it can be logistically difficult to get that, that protein on board immediately following a session. Uh, we may be a long way from home, etc. And actually, to some extent, uh, appetite suppression means that we don't really want to eat a steak. Um, Whereas actually what we can do is we can make sure that we've got that, that uh, whey protein with us 
um, added collagen gives us that, that extra benefit. Um, and, and we can consume it. So we've got the right protein in the right quantity at the right time. Excellent answer. So fingers crossed, John, you've got something from that. And, and by all means, send us in another question if we didn't quite cover Please. it for you. <laughs> I uh, we're more than happy to answer another question from another John. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> right, I've got one last question, and this is from Rich. He is a triathlon and swimming coach uh, near you, actually, with Evo Tri Club. Uh, and yeah. he is... Uh, He's, he's a big fan. So this is a really good question. And it's again, like a bit like Craig's, it's completely off the topic of, of you performing. It's more about, more about you. So what is your favorite post swimming meal? Well, hi Rich. Uh, I know the Evo guys really well, fantastic club. Uh, and and I, I, particularly when I open water swim, I see, see them an awful lot and often see them on the road a great deal as well a great squad across what i love about Evo as well is actually it's across the age span uh they do some fantastic work with with the kids all the way through to uh, to the to the age groupers um so so uh great and thanks for the question uh my favorite do you know it's, it's a really interesting one i think i'm i'm to some extent really old school uh, when it comes to to post training i'm a, i'm very much a, a carbohydrate uh, to, to some extent, I'm a, I'm a pasta man with protein attached to it. Um, my absolute favourite uh, is uh, is a carbonara, um, but I could be pushed towards um, a salmon-based creamy pasta as well. Um, but I, I guess you know, to some extent, I, I, I probably like many people. After it depends on the, the intensity of the session, but after a really really hard session, um, appetite is quite suppressed. It takes a bit of time to to bring it back. Um, and, and, you know, the, wor the worst times I think are actually on after the really long sessions. So, you know, in training for the, for the, um, ultras that I was doing last year and the year before, you know, what it's like when you come back from a, a sort of 22 miler run or, an, you know, a 90, hundred miler on the bike, it takes a real long while to get, <laughs> to get any sort of appetite back. You, you can graze a lot of rubbish, um, but actually getting appetite back is really difficult. And for me, that's why post-exercise protein shake is uh, is completely integral to every session that i do um much to my wife's annoyance because the, the <laughs> because the cups are always lying around the kitchen um but yeah you know what um i, I think the answer to the question is pasta um generally creamy pasta with protein i i think that we're very very different i've not been quite swimming as long as you have but i'm very traditional in the sense that any two-hour session when I was a lot younger as a swimming as a swimming club sort of competitive swimmer, beans on toast. I I, I grew up and I fueled swimming on beans on toast. Essentially, there's just Good whether man. you're hungry or not, it just does the job. You know, it takes two <laughs> minutes. I don't know, I, I, you can eat it cold. Yeah. You can eat yeah. it cold in the back of a car at nine o'clock at night, driving oh, home from Millfield can, School. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you, can, you can if you're desperate. You're right, but <laughs> I don't know. I. I it's horses for courses. I think, you know, if, if you were to do that sort of questionnaire across a, an, an entire squad, you'd find everybody's got something slightly different. I, I think it just it's just whatever works for you. Um, but but that, that has always worked for me and, that, and that's sort of my go-to. Well, I think that's definitely worth a survey to all of our You Perform family, maybe. What does everybody like to eat after training? And bonus points if you do include a You Perform product, of course. <laughs> Absolutely right, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, Rich. That was our final question for this first round of Ask the Prof. We will be back very, very soon with another batch of your 
your sort of hand-picked questions. We're going to try and include as many people as we can uh, throughout the rest of this year. We get questions every single day and we're very often getting Greg to answer them on a sort of a case-by-case -case basis, just in case they're urgent. But this is a good opportunity for you to ask anything and everything. Uh, it can be to do with the work that we do with Greg, with you perform, or it can be about Greg, it can be about training, mindset, motivation, goal setting, which is uh, topics we will come to in future topic discussions as part of the Prof Talks. So if you are interested in following along, do make sure you like and subscribe to either our YouTube channel, to our podcast, the Prof Talks, and uh, check us out on social media and our emails just to keep in the, in the flow of all the information so you don't miss anything. So that's all from me for now. Thank you, Greg, for joining us. Thank you. Keeps me on my, keeps me on my toes as well, which is great. I love it. We don't like him to get bored. We, we need to keep his, <laughs> keep his mind fresh and his, and his body active. <laughs> and we will see you on the, the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Prof Talks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, this podcast is brought to you by Uperform, the UK's leading sports nutrition brand, where every product is targeted at optimizing your recovery, optimizing your performance, and most importantly, optimizing your quality of life. As a thank you for listening in and supporting this podcast, head over to www.u-perform.co.uk to try Uperform for yourself and, the, and use the code POD20 to get 20% off your next order.